Um, we've got some uh, fun stuff we're going to do tonight. Um, <clears throat> we've got a... So, so here, here's, here's part of what I, you know, I like to do this, is to walk us through um, how... Oh, oh, I did want to mention a few things first. This is not updating for some reason. I did want to mention a few things. First, um, <clears throat> did you guys hear yesterday... The um, CDC said hydroxychloroquine is okay. <laughs> Somebody needs a big kick in the rear. That's what I think. It's been to the point where literally pharmacists won't give it to you. Doctors are scared to death to prescribe it. And even when doctors do prescribe it, the pharmacists won't give it to you. I, I, um, <clears throat> I said that a few months ago, and somebody texted me while I was speaking and said, that's not true. Pharmacists will give whatever the doctors. A doctor in our church prescribed it, and the pharmacist wouldn't give it because it was evil. It was the bad medicine. And I've been saying from the beginning because my parent, my, my uh, wife's parents, my in-laws, have been taking hydroxychloroquine since 1993 or whenever they went to Africa. They've been taking it forever. They, they're not going to catch COVID for nothing. They could bathe in COVID. They can't catch it. Why? Because hydroxychloroquine is a prophylactic too, and it has kept them um, <clears throat> from getting it. So I could go on and on. Guys, he, here's, here's the thing. You just got to keep praying. Don't ever quit praying. J just because a senator says, oh, this is the way it is now, don't quit praying. God is the one who's in charge of everything. He's in charge of this planet. He's in charge of you. This is, this is the same for you on a personal level. Don't ever quit praying about something. You say, well, I prayed for this for five years. Well, well, maybe five years in one day is what it takes. Right? Right? So, so don't ever, don't ever, don't ever quit praying. and quit. That's When I talk about fighting, that's what I'm talking about. Fight. Fight it out in prayer. Fight it out. Um, sometimes you've got to fight it out, you know, politically and, <clears throat> and legally. Again, I think I mentioned this last week, but I, I uh, met with um, a uh, restaurant owner here in town that owns quite a few restaurants, not just here, but all over the state. And, uh, and I talked to him for an hour or two about it. I told him, I said, you know, I would, if I thought it would help, I said I would take a full-page paper ad out in the, in the Denver whatever and the Colorado whatever. I don't really get papers. But <clears throat> I would put a full-page ad in there that says restaurant owners just stand up just stand up, open your restaurants, and sue the crud out of all mayors, governors, everybody that says you can't. Just do it. Because why? Guys, when churches pushed back and started suing is when Polis caved. We're, we're going to, I don't want to tell their whole story, that we'll let them tell it. But the Bollingers here, they stood up when they tried to close the museum and they got Polis to back down. That's their, we're, I'm not telling the whole story because, <clears throat> because we're going to video it. And uh, make sure both services hear it, and, they, and you'll get the whole story from them. But, but different groups have just stood up, and when they stand up, not just in the state of Colorado, but all over, when they stand up, the government backs down and says, okay, then we, we, maybe we won't do that. Just stand up. Just stand up for your rights. Stand up for who you are. But the restaurant owners are scared because they, many of them are already closing down. So this is the way I look at it. If you're going to get closed down anyway because you don't have any business, do something. If you're losing everything, do something. Um, but like I mentioned last week, <clears throat> did I mention this? Did I talk about this last Wednesday? I think I did. I wasn't here. <clears throat> Are you sure I wasn't here last week? Sunday I wasn't here. Oh, I want to talk about that in a second too. So <clears throat> yeah, I was here. I, I did. I was like, well, you know, I've been sick for for a few weeks, and I've been in and out, and then I was somewhere else. So I don't know when I've been here and when I haven't. But um, they did say that, uh, that the Restaurant Owners Association in Colorado Springs has met together and come up with plans, and they're going to put it before um, uh, Southers because they believe if they can get Southers to cave, they can get Southers to put pressure on Polis to cave. Um, so, <clears throat> and I told him, I said, you know what I think you should do? Sue them. Just sue them. Just start suing Southers and the city council. And, and, and they're not all bad guys, okay? They're not. I'm not saying they're all in the same boat. But you'll get enough pressure that they won't destroy an entire industry in our country. And that's what's happening. It's being destroyed. 
<clears throat> yeah, you got to push. You got to push. So here's something interesting that happened because I wasn't here Sunday. I was I was speaking at a Russian church. Um, I spoke Saturday night here at our Russian church, and then I went to uh, Denver Sunday and spoke at the Mother Church um, there at the uh, at the Mother Russia Church there. <laughs> <clears throat> Oh, man, when I spoke at the Russian church, I had so many funny things I wanted to say uh, about Russians and stuff like that. And, and I did say a few, but, but it's hard to do that with an interpreter. Timing is off. Delivery is off. It'll fall flat, and then you look stupid. And so I didn't, I didn't do that. But here, here's something. So basically, let me sum up real quickly what I spoke about, that I do think we're coming to a point in our country where we're going to have to make some very... Uh, strong decisions as Christians. You're going to have to either decide that the Bible is true and is your foundation or uh, cave and go the other direction and do whatever society says. And, and that's what I was talking about is God's word is always the foundation for us, guys. We don't get to choose what we want to believe. We believe what the Bible says. We don't get to choose how we think. We do what the Bible says. And as long as you stay on foundation with the Bible, you'll be fine. God will take care of you. Everything will be fine. It's when you start compromising and caving in different ways and doing whatever society says, it's when it, it's when it begins to cave. And I said, and you're going to have to stand up and make some decisions. And these are the decisions. And so <clears throat> after the service, um, they, they, have a, they have a much larger church there than, they, than their satellite church with us. Um, after the service, most of the people that came and talked to me, and there was a lot, they were standing in line to talk to me, were 40s and over. There was a few younger ones, but most of them were 40s and over. Some up into their 60s and 70s, and one guy I talked to was 80. Um, all of them came up and told me stories about uh, either them themselves or family members that were put in jail in the 60s, 70s, and 80s in Russia because they were Christians. Persecuted, and they began to tell the stories. The problem I was having is I had an interpreter there, and he was interpreting some, and then somebody needed him to do something because he was associate pastor. So he left, and then, the, then I'm standing there with like 20 Russians, and one of them knew seven words. I mean, literally, that's it. And so they're trying to tell me these stories, but I could tell what they were saying. And then the interpreter came back, and we talked. And, and uh, one guy talked about how he spent years in prison because he was a Christian. That's the only reason was because he was a Christian. And every single one of them, in fact, the pastor said, after I spoke, the pastor got up and said, guys, many of you older ones, you know that what he is saying is true and that it is happening in our country right now because we've seen it. We've lived it. And all of them were saying the same thing. We, we are, in fact, a few of them said, and they've made me think about this, process this a lot. I'm not sure yet what I think about it, but a few of them said, we're not going to be a socialist country. We're going to go right by socialism and go straight into Marxism and communism. We won't be socialist. Socialists won't meet the needs of what the agenda is in our country today. That, that bothered me a little. I hadn't thought about it that, that way. But it was, it, was, um, it was encouraging because all of these, uh, these Ruskies, that's what they call themselves, by the way, Ruskies. Did you know that? So <clears throat> all of these Ruskies, they were all telling me, um, but it's okay because if you keep your eyes on Jesus, jail or not, you still got your eyes on Jesus. If the country collapses, keep your eyes on Jesus. We've done it, and it will work. Now, that's, that's frightening to me because I don't want my grandkids growing up in a, in a Marxist country. But, guys, we're all put on this planet by the Lord, and we're all called to serve Him, and I can't, I can't protect somebody else from living their life when God had them be born. You understand what I'm saying? That bothers me. I want to just cover my grandkids and say, nope, nothing comes to them. All you other people deal with it. Nothing comes to them. This doesn't work that way. We're, we're, we all have to, to walk our path. We all have to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. But I'm going to tell you, I'm going to be right behind them. <laughs> and right behind them, protecting as best I can. <clears throat> so, all right. Um, it was just very interesting to me. Okay, so I, I want to look at, you guys always know, I pick on some things around Christmas, having to do with Christmas, and I know... It, it makes you angry at me. I get that. And I don't care. 
but I get that. Because there are certain things about Christmas that are purely tradition and have no scriptural context to it. And so I pick on those things. Not really bad, but I'll pick on them some. But the reason is because the Christmas story is the most amazing story ever, in my opinion. There's so many things about Christmas that happens, and God does this, and all, all these things. that We don't need to add stuff in. When we add stuff in, it messes it up, muddies it a little bit. Let's just stick with the... Uh, the story. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read the Christmas. I'm going to read part of the Christmas story. I'm going to read the, uh, the wise men part of the Christmas story. That's all, I'm gonna, that's all we're going to look at tonight. And then uh, we're going to break down some, some, we're going to break this down according to some things in society. But, okay, so let me preface it with this. When you're looking at scripture, this is, this is I think this is very important to me. I think it, sh- it should be important to all of us. Um, I, I am what's called a literalist. I look at scripture and if it says it, that's it. If that's what it says, then that's the story. And I don't have to figure it out and change it to make it work scientifically. I don't have to figure it out to make it work socially, culturally, anything else. If this is the story, this is the story. Okay? So, now, now I, I, I'm sure there's nuances of that with our belief systems in this room, and that's okay. Um, you, you can be wrong, but that's Okay? Um, but here's what I want to push into your world a little bit. I do think you have to make a decision. If God's word says it, is that just the way it is? Or, or do we need to change it and nuance it to fit things and do stuff and whatever? Because I don't. I think when you start doing that, you're gutting the story. You're gutting the story. Now, this has been a long time uh, to the point where the church has kind of come back around and we're, we're okay with this. But just the idea of Mary being a virgin. See, in Isaiah uh, 9 when it says that, you can trans- translate that word as young lady or virgin. That It can literally be tra- tra- translated both ways. The, 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 if, if that's the only place in the entire Bible that we had that, you might could build an argument that, that Mary was not a virgin. She was just a young girl. Okay, But then Luke quotes the scripture and uses the term virgin. It's not a word you can translate for a little girl. So, so do we believe that, that, um, that when Luke says it, he is translating it properly, or did he get it wrong? 2 Timothy says, all Scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, which means it has to be true. So when Luke translates it virgin, it, it's not uh, debatable after that. If the only one you had was in Isaiah, you might could debate it. But once you get to the New Testament, and he translates that that way. Plus, plus when, when the angel comes to Mary and says, Mary, you're going to have a child. She, she says, how can that happen? There's no way she's saying, I'm just a little girl. She says, how can this happen? I am a virgin. Okay? So, so here's the thing. You take scripture, and uh, you take scripture like uh, the Israelites coming out of Egypt and crossing the sea, um, and then the you know the History Channel did this thing about 15 years ago where they found that there was like a part of the where it comes out in the sea. There's this like sandbar that comes out, and that at at, at low water times during the year, uh, that sandbar is like an inch or two underground, and that's what the Israelites walked on to get across uh, the sea. Okay, so here's the thing. Anytime I come across something like that, because I'm enthralled by that stuff, I watched something the other night on, um, well, a, cu- a couple different kings in the, in the uh, minor prophets and stuff like that. But um, <clears throat> so when you, when you get to a, something like that, a documentary or something, here's the easiest way to do that is, is take their facts and then go back to scripture and see, much, see how much scripture you have to change to make it true. That's the easiest way to know whether that happened that way or not. Okay? So what are some basic things in Scripture about the Israelites that we know, um, because the Scripture says it this way, that you either have to believe the science because it's one way, or you have to believe the Scripture because it is totally different. What are some things in Scripture that would have to be changed? Okay. Okay. All right, I mean, I, maybe, I don't see how, but maybe a scientist could say, well, that's how you, you dry up two inches of water. The location of that particular reason, I read about that, 
because they're, they're, they're walled in on both sides and the additions are coming. So we get a really good picture, a really good description in scripture of where they were. And there aren't very many places where they could possibly have hidden them. And that sandbar is nowhere near. <clears throat> okay. So they would have to, the scripture would have to be changed and the, the uh, mountains on both sides and, the, and Pharaoh's armies coming through, that would have to be all changed. Okay, what else would have to be changed? Of, no, 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 I'm talking, no, 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 we're going to get to, okay. And therefore you change the resurrection. Yes. <laughs> you kind of do change the resurrection and change the story, but no, specifically the Israelites stand there about to go across the sea. What else has to be changed? The biggest one, the easiest one, Luke. Yeah, if it's one or two inches on a sandbar, how did an entire army of 100,000 people or so get killed? Every one of them, not, not, you can't tell me not one dude could have waded out of two inches of water back to the shore, right, Mike? In two inches of water, yeah. Wow, God's big, man. He can. Okay, they walked across on dry land. Okay, so there's a lot of things. You understand what I'm saying? Science says this, but when you read the story, there has to be stuff in the story to change for science to be true. I don't, I don't ever do that. I just say the science is wrong. Now, that's not okay in today's society. Um, science is always right. The, the thinkers, the, 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 um, the intelligentsia, uh, they're always right. You know, but I don't believe that. There's so many things over the years that science has said this, and then 10 years later, they completely disproved the whole thing, and science was wrong, but all the Christians at the time, they all uh, um, genuflected to the science and said, okay, well, I guess science is right. Instead of saying, no, this is what God's Word said. We may not understand how it matches up to what you're saying, but I know what God's Word says, and I'm standing on that. That's where I am. I'm a, I'm a literalist. If that's what the Bible says, this is why I know Christians debate this stuff I don't believe in, in, um, in uh, uh, evolutionary creationism. I believe the creation was seven days, seven literal days, seven 24-hour days. Well, he rested. Don't take that from God. Right? I don't think, you, you understand what I'm saying. There was, Jimmy Swagger was one of these guys that came out 30, 40 years ago and said, oh, well, because science says of evolution and everything else, and we can't disagree with that, which we know now that there's no way the planet with that was that old. There's no way that people evolved. There's no way that even sedentary stuff. There's a great series right now on, um, on uh, uh, Amazon, I think it is. I don't know, but, it's, but it has to do with... Um, Noah, and it has to do with the layers of the dirt in the ground, and it shows you all these geological things that there's no possible way the earth could be older than about 10,000 years. It can't be. Now, the, the, the documentary is put out by Seventh-day Adventists, so at the end of it, they're trying to tell you all their, you know, don't go to church on Sundays and don't eat pork, but the, 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 the meat of it is legit. These are geologists, nationally known geologists that are doing this. You look, look it up. It's, I think it's called Noah. <laughs> I think that's pretty profound, but I think that's what it's called, Noah something. But it's all geologists and scientists that are saying all the science we've been hearing for 50, 60 years is wrong. And you can see it right here. They go to the Grand Canyon and they show you in the Grand Canyon. You can see it right here. You can see it right here. It can't have happened the way uh, that they're, they're saying. It had to have happened with a great flood to get this sediment fall layers like they are. Watch what they say, and you'll be immediately like, oh, yeah, that is total common sense, okay, even if you're not a geologist. So now we're going to go to the, to, the, um, to, the, to the Magi, to the um, wise men, and we're going to look at the Star of Bethlehem. That's where we're focusing. I'm not focusing necessarily on the wise men. I'll do some of that. We're going we're gonna to look at Star of Bethlehem, so Matthew chapter 2. I'm going to read down through this, and then we're going to talk about some stuff. Verse 1, Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea. During the reign of King Herod, about that time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking. Now, here's one of the things I always pick on. How many wise men were there? Some. How many do we say there are? Three. Are you, Linda, are you? Okay. Okay. 
fun things is breaking down the scripture in a very analytical way. It, this is interesting to me because we always talk about the three wise men. It never says that anywhere in the Bible. Never says three. Now, where did we get the tradition of three wise men? It's simple. The what, huh? The three gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Well, if there's three gifts and there's three guys. That's basically where they come up with it. The three wise men has never been a true thing. It would be interesting. I've always, you know, wished you, there's a way you could do this. Like, you take the modern stories and the modern stuff of today, and you take it to the guys in the Bible at the time. And it'll be like, where'd you get three? They're like, there's ten guys standing there. Where'd you get three? Well, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. You know what I think they would say? We brought them a lot more gifts than that, too. But that's just the ones that needed to be recorded because of the reasons. I, I don't have time to... You guys know, look it up, okay? Because I don't have time to go over the gold, the frankincense, and myrrh. But there's a reason those three gifts were presented. they very intentional gifts. Okay? Look it up. It's cool. All right. So these guys arrived from eastern lands. Now, this is important. I, don't, I won't jump ahead. Okay. Where is the newborn king of the Jew? We saw his star as it rose. And we've come to worship him. His star. It's also called the eastern star. It can be translated both ways. The eastern star and his star. King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, as was everyone in Jerusalem. You, do you know why King Herod was so deeply disturbed? Because he was king, but, but there had to be more. Okay, but even then, he's, he's the king, and he's not the legit king from the line, lineage of David. But why would, that, why would he be bothered by this? What? Yeah, these are all true. These are all true, but they're not the meat of it. Because he believed in the validity of Jesus. That's why. He wasn't worried about some nobody that somebody had tagged a prophetic thing to rising up. He knew in his spirit this was real, this was true, and this is what was prophesied in, in Scripture. That's why it scared him. You, you see, you follow what I'm saying. Not just because he was king. How many people had come across his king uh, time, his kingdom, and, and threatened it? Probably lots. This one threatened in a different way because down in his spirit he knew. Okay. All right. So he was deeply disturbed, as was everyone in Jerusalem. He called a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of religious law and asked, where is the Messiah supposed to be born? It, it also says that everybody in Jerusalem was concerned about this. There were people that were waiting for this and, and, and knew that the, what the prophecy said. They knew all this stuff. And when all these guys, these, these learned people from eastern lands show up, they're like, this, this, could, this could be the real one. You understand that this, this happened all the time. People always professed to be the Messiah, and they did all this. But when all these guys that have no connection whatsoever start showing up, and they're asking very detailed scriptural questions, everybody is concerned. Where is the Messiah supposed to be born? In Bethlehem. You know, it says that in Scripture, right? In Bethlehem, they said, for this is what the prophet wrote. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah are not least among the ruling cities of Judah, for a ruler will come from you who will be the shepherd of my people Israel. Then Herod called for a private meeting with the wise men, and he learned from them the time the star first appeared. Then he told them, Go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child. And when you find him, come back and tell me so that I can go and worship him too. Now, up until here... I'm going to, we're going to talk about some stuff in a minute. Up until here, there's not necessarily a strong um, disagreement with, with some of the things we're going to look at scientifically up until this point. There's a couple, but not major ones. But it's about to get where it, it is going to disagree with some scientific stuff. After this interview, the wise men went their way, and the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. Where did the star guide them to? Yeah. It, it went ahead of them, and did you guys know that yesterday was Lynn and I's 30th anniversary? 
I think that's why she's feeling froggy or something tonight. I don't know what her... So, 30 years. <laughs> when they... <laughs> And the, and the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. Now, the, every single sentence of this is important, guys. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. Which, which means it's moving. Would you not agree with that, with this sentence? It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with great joy. They entered the house and they saw the child with his mother Mary and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasure chests and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. When it was time to leave, they returned to their own country by another route. For God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. Okay? Now, here's a couple of things. These are the two strongest things that, that we see um, from science trying to explain how the star of Bethlehem got there, how it happened, okay? Um, they're not trying to say the star is not real. The same way with the History Channel saying um, they, they didn't, the, 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 the crossing of the sea didn't happen, but, which is interesting to me because everything they do tries to tear that down. But here's what happens with History Channel and stuff like that. They know their audience and they know what makes them money. And they know if you've got literally 100 million people just in America that believe the Bible as it is written, then they can't just say, oh, it didn't happen. That's a major demographic that will not watch their shows anymore. So what they do is they actually pull a, an audience in that may not have even cared about the History Channel, but they pull them in by using that as a descriptor and, in and you know, the tagline to pull in kind of thing. But then they spend the whole time disproving it, really, is what they're doing. Okay? Um, they're just saying it didn't happen supernaturally, which, if you're a Bible-believing person, if they're trying to prove it didn't happen supernaturally, then they are basically saying, at least in, in my um, context, in my lexicon, they're saying it didn't happen because I believe it was supernatural. The same way I believe the star of Bethlehem is a supernatural thing and cannot be explained by science. So let's look at, the first one is, um, the, let, show the picture. This is, um, <clears throat> I, I got my glasses on, I can't read that. Saturn and Jupiter. Saturn is up there, Jupiter is, is below, okay? And this is a thing, this guy came up with about six or seven years ago that he traces back and he said, Saturn and Jupiter lined up directly uh, behind each other, and that made a very bright star. And if you were standing in Asia Minor, and you were looking, or, or India or something, and you were looking, you would see these two stars. And if you put an um, a, uh, axis on that, and, I, and, and this is all, you, you'd have to go, so there's a lot to this. You put an axis on that, it would go right over Israel. Okay, here is, here is an interesting thing to me. Where were these wise men standing? Because for them to see that, for that azimuth to be there, they got to know the starting point. It doesn't work in different ways. Okay, let me show you. Um, Rick, stand up. Just stand right there in the aisle. Okay, Linda, you seem to want to be involved tonight. <laughs> Why don't you stand right back there behind the last row? Now, over this way just a little bit. Okay, is that Sam? Sam, stand up where you are. Okay, um, uh, Kate, stand up where you are. Okay, now, this, these lights right here is the Star of Bethlehem. Um, no, no, no. Yes, yes, yes. 
This is the star of Bethlehem, okay? This is the star. You three are the three wise men, okay? Rick is Bethlehem. Jesus is being born right between his feet right now. That's probably not the best visual now that I say that. But Rick is, Rick is uh, Bethlehem, okay? Sam, uh, point your trajectory toward the uh, star Bethlehem. Okay, Linda, point your trajectory at the star Bethlehem. Kate, point yours. Who gets anywhere near Bethlehem? Kate, do these two? No. How do they know where the wise men started their little journey? Kate is the true ones. That's how we know. Okay? You guys can sit down. <clears throat> Don't step on Jesus. <clears throat> now, the, oh, and by the way, the same scientists that said this, uh, Saturn and Jupiter line up every, every year about this time. Uh, this year it's going to be December 21st we're going to line up. But they don't line up exactly. They're enough separated that you can tell they're two different things. And this scientist says that was the only time that it possibly could have happened, although he can't prove it actually did happen then. And it'll be another 500,000 years before it could possibly happen again. Now, here's the, here's the other scientific thing that's happened uh, that supposedly is, is the thing. And that's, did I, I, don't, I didn't have a picture for this. Okay, this is um, a supernova that somewhere... In Aries, I think is where it has to be, uh, super, a supernova happened out there, and the wise men saw the supernova, and they, they followed the supernova to Bethlehem. Okay? There, there's, some, there's some even scientific problems with this. Supernovas don't usually last two years. At least in the visual eye, they don't last two years. Um, because what is a Supernova? It's an explosion of what? Star. And it burns up. And sometimes by the time we see a supernova in, uh, in, on the earth, it's already burned up. We're seeing the after effects. Okay? So now, let me make sure I got all... Yes. Now, now here, okay, so I, first, I don't think they make them up from out of nowhere. There may not be any legitimacy to it, but there is a starting point for something like this being made up. What's the starting point? Where does it come from? No, the, the, the uh, made up part. The theory, the science. An explanation of stuff that, legitimate stuff, but we're going to explain how the Bible happened without God. That's, that's the simple of it. Remember, I, I, I say this every now and then. I think I said this a couple of weeks ago. Um, I may have may or may not have been here when I said it. But, the, you know, I talk about the two different mindsets of the writing of Scripture of the New Testament, right? The conservative mindset is, is all of the Scripture... All of the New Testament was written before, except for Revelation, was written before um, 70 A.D. And the more liberal mentalities is after 70 A.D. And the, the basic reason is because Jesus could not have prophesied about the temple being torn down that happened in 70 A.D. So therefore, because that's too supernatural, it's too prophetic, it's too out there, that's not possible. So we come up with something else. What? They wrote the, the, the stuff later, and Jesus was the disciple. 
Jesus didn't. Jesus was already dead and resurrected. Jesus, they put words back into Jesus' mouth to, to prophesy about the temple because that would be really powerful if he could have prophesied about that. Except that it was really written after that time, and that's why they put it in there is because it already happened. Do you, do you see the concept? Anytime anybody is going with the later years of, uh, of writing of Scripture, it's because they're on the liberal side of this. And I guarantee you ask them two or three basic questions, they're going to tell you, I don't believe in the supernatural today. I don't believe that, uh, that all the prophecy and everything else could have happened. They wrote that in later. That's, that is why they believe in the liberal mindset. There's not any other reason. There's no historical context for that to have been written after 70 AD. All of the historical um, data would say it had to have been written before 70 AD. That's not the biblical, that's the historical. And it just happens to be the biblical is also uh, what we believe makes it, uh, helps us believe that it's written before 70, okay? So, so what Michael is saying is true. It, it may not be built in facts, but it does have a starting point. The starting point is God is not real, or he's not supernatural, or he's made up by these people, or whatever the case is. If you take God out of it, to explain some of these stories, you're going to have to come up with some really strange scientific stuff. This, um, this week, I saw the first Prager video that I did from Cambridge. I was a geology student here in the early 70s. The first time I heard one, it was like totally wrong. He interviewed a bishop. He's talking about Genesis. And he takes the date when Genesis was written, not had it written by Moses, has it written 500 B.C. instead. And then he yeah, he kept using the term, the, the symbolic uh, interpretation. Symbolic interpretation. Yeah. Yeah, I, 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 can, I can explain that by, by explaining Prager a little bit, Dennis Prager. Dennis Prager is a, a Jew, he's a devout Jew, but he's not a spiritual uh, um, praying to God Jew. He's a practicing Jew, those are two different things. Um, but I do like Prager. I do like that. There's Dennis came out with a thing uh, three or four months ago, and it really irritated me. The whole thing, I kept saying, "No, you're wrong. You're wrong. You're wrong. You're wrong. You're wrong." But 99% of what they do is solid. Guys, go watch Prager. You okay? So, but you're right about Genesis too. All right. Now we're going to read the story again, and we're going to take those two stars, Saturn, Jupiter, put them together. I mean, two planets, put them together. Or we're going to put a supernova. Or we're going to put something out there. Every time I come to something that has to be changed in Scripture to meet up or match up with that science, uh, raise your hand and we'll discuss it. Okay? Can I, I mean, there may be many hands going at the same time and then we'll discuss it. Okay? Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea during the reign of King Herod. About that time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, Where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose and we've come to worship him. King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, as was everyone in Jerusalem. He called a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of religious law and says, Where is the Messiah supposed to be born? In Bethlehem of Judea, they said, for this is what the prophet wrote. O you, and you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not least among the ruling cities of Judah, for a ruler will come from you, who will be the shepherd for my people Israel. Then Herod called for a private meeting with the wise men, and he learned from them the time when the star first appeared. That, that might be. I don't think we have to change that. But that might be a starting point because they actually told him exactly what time this star appeared. That might fit the supernova, but it can't fit the aligning planets one. Because if they're watching this, they're watching the planets get closer and closer and closer and closer. So are they saying that the star appeared when the planets lined up? Are you seeing what I'm saying? For them to put an exact day that this happened, that this started? And how do we know it was pretty much an exact time frame? How do we know it was, you could narrow it down to a, maybe a, a day or two or a week at the most if they said this is when it happened. Any ideas? What was Herod's response when he found out when the star appeared? He said all the uh, male children under two years old were to be killed. That means he could put it in, in a window of time that in his head had a, had a two-year limit to it. Okay? 
You understand the two-year limit thing was, was more to it than that, right? Why, why, why is two years such a big deal here? It's the same thing that happened to Moses. And that's a, that's a precursor. That's a pre, pre-visual of what... Uh, everything in the Old Testament is pre-visuals to who Jesus is. Okay? So, good job, Marcus. Then Herod called for a meeting, and he learned from them the exact uh, the time when the star first appeared. Then he told them, Go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child. And when you find him, come back and tell me, so I can go and worship him too. After this interview, the, the men went their way, and the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. This is when you should raise your hand. Okay, yes. Why? What would we have to do with that scripture? What? Okay, if it's planets, let's read that sentence again. After this interview, the wise men went their way, and the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. Okay, so who, who here has been to Israel? Okay, how far is Jerusalem from Bethlehem? Blocks, mile or, or few miles at the most. So you're saying they left King Herod, stepped outside and said, let's follow those two stars on the distant horizon 400,000 miles away and it will lead us uh, right over there. Think about, I step out right now and I'm going to find the Scripture true or is it not? If I step out right now and I'm going to follow the North Star or something, am I going to be able to follow it to my house? If it's perfectly over my house at the right moment, at the right time, when I step out, I can follow it over my house. But you cannot do this with this theory of these two stars under any stretch of the imagination. You cannot come with this. Plus, they had come from the east and come to Israel to, to, uh, to come to Bethlehem. They already knew Jesus was in Bethlehem. The scripture had already said that. They had already told King Herod that he was in Bethlehem. So if they're following these two stars on the horizon, they're not following them to Bethlehem. They would, they would end up somewhere in America. Philadelphia. He knows things I don't, so. (laughs) Okay, so look at it again. And the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. Now look at the next sentence, because this is big. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. Yes, this is another hand raiser. The star stopped over the place. First, that depicts movement of the star. Second, the star stopped over where... If, those, if that's two planets way out on the horizon out there, up in the sky, up in Aries, it, how, how is that sentence true? That sentence should not have been there. Matthew got this one totally wrong. Matthew, it's two stars. They're following two stars, and they know it's in Bethlehem. It, how can a star stop over the house. And this is the same way with the supernova. How can a star or supernova stop over the house where Jesus was? Are, are you following me? How does it stop? That's, that's the point, but let's not just jump right to that. <laughs> We're going to sneak up on that one. But, but that is my point, guys, with all of this. I really believe that there was a star that looked more like Christmas cards than what science would be willing to accept. A star is moving through the sky and they're following that star, moving through the sky. That's also why I personally believe that everyone in Jerusalem was concerned because they're watching this star come through Jerusalem. It was out east somewhere and this whole entourage is following this star and you say, well, that can't happen. That's never been done before. Or has it? Is there anywhere else in Scripture? Could have been a satellite. 
the pillar of fire by night and the cloud by day. That wasn't a cloud way off on the horizon. It was moving and they were following it. And I believe this star was low, it was close to the earth, and it was moving and they were following that particular star. And it stopped right over the house where Jesus was. Okay, so, so that is a really good question. I think we can come close to an answer. I don't think we can get a total answer. How many wise men were there? Three. No. Bad. Five, ten? We don't know. How many people were with the wise men? Servants, caravans. They opened the, the chests of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. There was people there carrying stuff and doing stuff. Okay? We don't know how big this entourage was. And here's what I just personally believe. I can't base this on Scripture. This is totally just me, okay? I think as they went, people joined in. And they're like, yeah, I can see that star too. Let's do that. Let's follow that. He was there. He, I mean, he ended up there. We don't know exactly when he got there, but... So, <laughs> you know, uh, Barna did a uh, research thing recently, and he said, this generation is the most biblically illiterate generation ever. You and your drummer boy. <laughs> now, it went ahead of them, and it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house. They saw the star, it stopped, they realize it stopped, they're filled with joy and they go, well, let's go in that house. Right? Um, well, the major thing is, okay, so, so here's a couple things that people get confused about when they read the scripture about the manger. You know, we have this picture of this uh, stable out in a field with a little bed of hay perfectly the size for Jesus. And um, that, that's, not, that's not, if you read the scripture, it says that they went to the inn and there was no um, room, okay, kind of thing. Well, what we think is we think of a motel, and the, the word inn is not the right way to translate. You can translate that it's a place to stay, but in that context, at that time frame, the idea that Bethlehem was, was going to be a big enough city to have a hotel or an inn or anything like that is probably not that legitimate. They might have had one, but they were a very small city and they were very close to Jerusalem. So the idea that they would have something like that. And also the cultural context is people didn't stay in inns. They stayed in people's homes. You just went into a city and you stayed in people's homes. And... Uh, and, and you can even back up into recent, in, in less than 100 years in America, and people did that. Uh, where when you went into a city, you, you just stayed with people in cities. And, uh, and so the, the idea that there was a motel, and they couldn't stay in the motel, so they ended up in a stable, that's not the way it works. F family dwellings in Bethlehem, and in, in this whole area, but family dwellings would have had um, one story, two story, and even if it was a one story, not a two-story, you would have had a family living area, and then you would have had more like, um, um, like the, the um, bedrooms, I guess you could say, but usually that was just one big room with a raised, with a raised place where people laid down and stuff like that. So you got like the, the kitchen living area, then you got the, the bedroom area, and then this was, if it was a flat one-story, then part of the building, it was part of the structure, was inside the structure walls was the stable, they didn't have them out somewhere else. It was part of the structure. So you've got like a kitchen living area and you drop down three feet and there's the cow. Okay? Um, the sheep and, and all that stuff is right there. Now you say, well, that would have been smelly. Yes. Uh, but it would also have been warm. Much warmer. So when they said G that the Jesus, uh, Jesus uh, Joseph and Mary came and was trying to find a place to live, a place to stay, they said, well, we don't have any place in our living area, but, we, but you can stay right here in the stable. 
which was inside the walls of the house. Okay? So when it says that Jesus was in a manger, that just meant that this inside area of the house with, with some hay stacked up in the corner and Mary and the rest of the family's right there. It's not like she's by herself off in a field in a stable. That, that visual picture is, is, a, is a westernized picture. That's not legit. It's a house, sometimes a two-story house where you had the living stuff up here and the cows and the people and then the cows and things were below them. And then you had a, a room kind of halfway, like a split level, which would be where they did all their stuff. They, that's where they did all the family stuff and sleeping and things like that. And so Mary was with the people in the house. She wasn't out by herself. Joseph was with the people. They just weren't in the main part of the house. Why were they not in the main part of the house? Because there was no room. This was the census. Everybody was coming back to Bethlehem to, to fill uh, uh, out the census paperwork. So that house would have been full. There may have been two or three families in that house. And when Mary Joseph got there, uh, she stays in the, in the open area in the, um, where the hay is, where the feed for the animals I think there's a good chance that, that she actually, that Joseph and Mary actually arrived a little early, earlier than what we think. I, I don't think that she was, I don't think she was giving birth the night they arrived in Bethlehem. Okay? She was pregnant. She was going to give birth. But we don't know how long they spent in Bethlehem. It could have been a few weeks. Oh, Okay, so Scripture tells us who came to the house the night Jesus was born. Shepherds. It didn't say they bumped into the wise men. Um, I think there's a good chance the wise men weren't there for a year to year and a half, maybe even two years, because of that two-year time frame kind of thing. Yes. Stable would have been part of the house. All those things would have been part of the house. Yeah. So in order to get to the stable, they still have to come to the house. <clears throat> yes. And I think by the time the wise men got there, Jesus was a toddler, and they were in the house, and they were with relatives, because that's, in my opinion, okay, I can't prove that part. I think they were with relatives, because that's the whole point of coming back to Bethlehem, and you stay a little while. But we do know that when they headed out for Egypt, they headed out from Bethlehem. So that means they had to have been in Bethlehem months and months, not a week or two. Okay, Jesus was a toddler by the time they started for Egypt, and we know that because of King Herod's going to kill the two and under kind of thing. He had to have been there to take him to Jerusalem for the circumcision. Yes. So they had to have still been in Bethlehem when that occurred because we got that story too. Yeah, because that's where you get Simeon and Anna and all of them that are in the temple. And they brought Jesus to be circumcised. But that's only eight days. Um, but I think he was there months. Because by the time he headed for Egypt, by the time they headed for Egypt, Jesus was a toddler. Yeah, and the fact that, that um, I don't think Mary was busting at the seams when they get to Bethlehem because of that. He would have planned ahead. He knew how long it took to get from Nazareth to Bethlehem. And he wouldn't have timed it so that she's giving birth the night they get there, which is the tradition, right? I think he was there for, I think they were there for a few weeks or something like that. It could have been longer. And then Jesus gives birth. I mean, they give birth to Jesus. But here's the thing with that is the reason it was in the manger, they're still in the house. They're still in the house. It's all the same thing, either below a story or like a split level right there. They're still, the, the manger's right there. The people staying in the, rooms, staying in the kitchen, cooking meals and stuff, they were watching Mary and Joseph sitting there in, in the manger because that's, they were all there together. All these people were together there. 
Okay? So here's, here's the conclusion I want to come up with, come to, okay? Um, the way Linda said it was right. This is a God thing. I, I think, I, I think that, that that's not an oversimplification either. I think that star moved. I think they, these, these uh, wise men... And here's another thing. I don't think they were just men. That's another thing that the way Scripture says that they were wise men... Um, a, a tradition, according to tradition, magi would have been men and women. Could have, would have, potentially been men and women. So there's a chance that some of these, that's the one, that's a bridge too far for Zach. Um, that's the one. <laughs> He's like, nope. Not women. But uh, there's a good chance. We don't know for sure, but there, there's a good, I think it would be harder to say they, none of them were women, then at least a few of them were women because of the understanding of who Magi were and what they did in these eastern lands and who was considered, um, not maybe not in Israel and places like that, but over in India or over in China and stuff like that. Who were the uh, astrologers and the Magi and all that kind of stuff? So, yeah, yeah, not the one with Jesus, but with, yeah, right. Yeah, so, and, and the, the Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were being trained to be that. Yes. Um, so, so here's the thing. I really do believe, and, and some people would say, well, you know, it's kind of a stretch. Jesus, God just, be, just stepped into human flesh, and for the glory of God, took on human flesh, and, and was born from a woman. God, the creator of everything, limited himself to be physically born through a woman. You're telling me that the star is where we're going to stick on when it comes to the supernatural? Think about what I'm saying. I believe the star moved. I believe they followed it all the way to Israel. I believe the star was waiting for them to talk to Herod. Dun, 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 dun. You know, and then, then when they step out, the star starts moving again, and they follow it to Bethlehem. They know they're going to Bethlehem, but they don't know which house. And the star, I believe the star goes over and stops directly above the house in such a way, and I don't know the answers to these things, but in such a way that they could tell that house right there is the one where Jesus is. And I believe it's a supernatural thing from the whole beginning of it. That's part of the supernatural. It's part of the amazingness of it. Is, is all of the, the, Think about just the shepherds and, the, and the, the choir of angels and all this stuff. And it told them exactly where to go. It told them exactly where Jesus was is what the scripture says. And all these, these angels are filling the heavens doing all this stuff. In fact, it's one of my favorite parts of, of the Christmas story because it says when the, when the angel, the chorus of angels quit singing, they disappeared and the, and the uh, shepherds said, well, we should go to this house. Like there was debate at this point. The whole sky is full of hundreds of thousands of angels singing. And when they're done, it's not like the shepherds are going to be going, I'll just stay here. You guys go on. Are you following? When that ends, man, they're running for that house. They're running because if it was just this amazing out here in the field, how amazing do you think the king is? And they're running like crazy to get there. Because these were all supernatural things. All of this stuff happened. Why? So that we could see the glory of God, is what John chapter 1 says. So we could see the glory of God. That's why he took on human flesh. This, this is why I think, take the Christmas story. This is, this is my suggestion for you, okay? Take the Christmas story exactly like it is. Don't try to figure it out. Don't try to change it. Don't try to sci-fi it or whatever just take it like it is when it says that star stopped right over that house just take it like that and that that star stopped right over that house and they knew which house because of the star that's that's the way i read it that's the way i look at it all right so we're and i'm preaching a christmas message sunday not about this totally different Actually, it's totally different. You'll see. But, um, but here's the thing with me with Christmas. I love Christmas. I, I absolutely love Christmas. I love everything about it. And, and, I, and I, I'm going to show you some stuff about the Christmas tree Sunday. I'm going to tear down the idea of a Christmas tree, but I'm going to build it back up afterwards, okay? 
But I understand Christmas trees can be pagan things. And all that. I get that. I'm going to show you straight out of Scripture where it actually is. It was discouraging, but I'm going to do it. But then we're going to celebrate trees. We're going to bow down and worship the Christmas. No, we're not going to do that. Um, but I love Christmas trees. There's nothing pagan for me about a Christmas tree. I like Easter eggs that are, that are birthed from bunnies. For me, there's nothing pagan about that. It's just a Cadbury. But here's the thing, guys. I also don't confuse that Jesus is a center of everything. He's the center of Christmas. He's the, there is no Christmas without Jesus. And so we're going to look at that Sunday. Yes, ma'am. Yeah, I, I would strongly recommend watching all the Chosen stuff, the, the entire series. Um, watch every bit of it. It is as good as it gets. The, the storyline, the acting, the production, you know, it's not one of those things where you're kind of embarrassed as a Christian to tell other people about it, like most Christian movies, but th this is legit. These guys have spent, and they get it right historically too. All they add stuff in because they're telling a story. But they get it right. I would strongly recommend the chosen, any of this stuff. And the Christmas sees the Christmas scene, powerful, extremely powerful. So yeah, they just did the Christmas special, so it's almost <clears throat> two hours of Christmas special. But the music, yeah. with the music and everything, and it's got that in that video inside it. So yeah. Another detail to see the Christmas special. It was great. Yeah, all of the chosen. Start at the beginning. Watch it from the beginning. All of it. It's the story of Jesus. Yeah, so I wish we could steal like Indigenous People's Day and turn it into something like Columbus Day or something. I would love to do that. Yeah. yeah. So how are we going to pray about this? What's stirring in your heart? How are we going to pray? Were you raising your hand or just becoming just a little dis disaffectionate with your wife? Okay. All right. I got it. Yeah. I like that. What else is God stirring in your heart? What are you going to pray? How are we going to pray? Yeah, it has been for me. Christmas is rushing upon us, and, and it doesn't feel the same this year as it has before. Here, here's another thing I would say. 
Now, I'm going to push this one into to your world a little bit. When you're reading scripture, ask God to help you just to see it like it is. Don't try to figure it out sometimes. I love to figure things out, and I do try to. But sometimes I, I just have to say, I'm just taking this one by faith. I don't know how that star did that. I don't know how, you know, how big was it? How hot was it? Did it burn things? Did, did people, could people touch it? I mean, I, there comes a point where I just say, okay, God, I'm just trusting that the way it says in Scripture exactly the way it happened. I think we should pray of that sometimes. God, help me just to see it the way you wrote it, the way you wanted it in my heart, my mind. Help me not to, di- to disbelieve kind of thing. And then, um, part of what Christy's saying here, I would say, give us opportunities during this Christmas season to witness. Christmas is such a good time for that. Such a, an easy time for that. You've got people that are like God-haters that'll put a little baby Jesus in their yard. Use that somehow. Figure it out. Again, my old, my go-to always is take some gifts to your neighbors. Take some Christmas cookies or something. Just say, Hey, we're praying for you. Have a great Christmas. Something simple. Look for ways to witness to people. Right? Let's pray. God, we thank you for you. We thank you for the amazingness of you. Jesus, I believe, I believe exactly what your word says, that you were born from Mary, that you were conceived by the Holy Spirit. I believe that, Jesus. And I believe that people traveled halfway across the then-known world just to get a glimpse of you. Lord, the shepherds ran to where you were just to get a glimpse of you. And Jesus, that's our desire right here. That is, that is our desire at Church of Briargate is just to get a glimpse of you. We want you to be in charge. We want your spirit to be in charge. We want your word to be our foundation. Jesus, we are amazed by you and we love you. Give us a good Christmas where we can declare you. We can declare your grace and your mercy and your love. We can declare you this Christmas. Give us us wisdom and insight and and, uh, creative moments when we can can bring people to, to knowing who you are through this season. God, we continue to pray for our country. We know that you are God, that you're... That you are God above everything, and that does not diminish under any circumstances. God, we commit ourselves, we commit our church, we commit our lives, we commit it all to you. Thank you for Christmas, Jesus. Thank you for Christmas. And don't let it be a negative for anybody. Let it be something wonderful and special. We thank you for this. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. But you've got to get out of here.